The Miami Voice is not a ministry of Calvary Chapel, North Miami, and the views from guests on the show may not necessarily align with my personal views or the biblical lifestyle views of Calvary Chapel, North Miami and Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Pastor Darren Bennett. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And that's you, my brother. My beloved son in the faith. From Super Duper Bible Trooper and all these other characters to a man of character. You know, I remember where it all began for us, D.B., our first face-to-face -face encounter walking through the halls at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. You were in hot pursuit of your bride, Christine, and she wanted us to connect. So I threw out a light invite, and you were tenacious in your follow-up, which showed me that you were serious about growing as a Christian man. A lot of times pride will stifle that, but there you were in all your glorious bravado, ready to show and prove. And we had some common ground in the wrestling world. And the Lord would use that as a platform for discipleship. I gave you some simple tasks and challenged you to do things that weren't glamorous, like sweep and mop the mats, set up and break down tournaments. And you did it. All right. Welcome back to season two of the Miami Voice. I'm so glad that you are tuning in. Uh, at this juncture, you have heard our introduction. Uh, you have heard uh, the interview with uh, Corey Gardner, who at that point in time in my life, I was 13 years old. He would, I would say, uh, served as a secular mentor. Uh, but if you did indeed hear the introduction, it wasn't the typical introduction uh, that, that I typically have. Uh, this is an introduction that highlighted Pastor Steve Williams, who is my spiritual mentor. Now, he took the baton. Uh, I was, I believe, 28 years old, coming out of a very difficult season of my life. Uh, and so the Lord would have it uh, that I have a chance, well, a providential in, uh, encounter uh, with someone who would change my life. Now, I've been walking with this man uh, for at least 11 years now. I'll be 39 in March. So that's 11 years uh, that we've been doing life together, ministry together. Uh, and Pastor Steve Williams, he's got a lengthy biography. I'll just kind of share some of the cliff notes. He's got 20 plus years, maybe more uh, of ministry experience. At the time that I met him, he was one of the family ministry pastors uh, at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. He was a wrestling coach, which we'll get into uh, at the time as well. Uh, and even now he's using the sport of wrestling as a machine, a robust mentoring machine uh, up in North Carolina, where he currently resides uh, under the the brand of Team Williams. And we'll get into all of that. Uh, but we are focusing in this season on mentoring. Uh, and I just wanted to make it very personal. So you're hearing a little bit of my story and how mentoring shaped my life and why I'm indeed passionate about the reality uh, of and the benefits of mentoring. Uh, and then, of course, as this season progresses, we'll get into some interviews with other individuals who have mentored uh, other people. But for right now, uh, we're going to spotlight a man who mentored me. He was my spiritual mentor. I call him a spiritual father. Pastor Steve Williams, what say you, sir? How are you, man? Hey, it's great to be alive. I'm still just trying to keep it in the middle and on top here <laughs> in North Kaki Lackey. So glad to be on the show, on the podcast. Now, 
tell tell those that may not have a clue what that means because you and i talk about that all the time keeping it in the middle and on top what exactly does that mean well you know when i first had my um opportunity to preach at calvary chapel fort lauderdale uh, god had put on my heart in that particular message to keep it in the middle and on top and basically what that means is in life as we go down this journey on this pathway um, there's going to be times when we get close to the edge, where we veer off to the left and to the right sometimes. And if we get too close to the edge, then there's no wiggle room. Mm. And when the enemy comes and pushes us, we're just going to go over. We're going to plumb it over. Um, a lot of times that that leads to some uh, some tough times, some destruction yeah. in our lives. But if we stay in the middle of that path, anticipating that the enemy is going to come our way at some point, then when he does hit us, it does try to push us. We got some wiggle room and we can we can stay on that path and not get pushed over the edge. I like to think and, of that, uh, that that wiggle room is the grace of God. Yes, it is the grace of God and it's his wisdom as well, because sometimes I think uh, we can get complacent. We can we can believe that we've overcome and we have. But that doesn't mean we go back to the same place that we overcame. Mm. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, people find themselves going right back up to the edge saying, hey, look at me. I no longer struggle in this area. I no longer have a hard time dealing with this. And then the enemy's right there just, to, oh, it may not be that specific thing, but something closely related to it. And then he pushes you over. Wow. But if you stay in the middle of that path, then then you can uh, recover and you have enough of a buffer not to go all the way over. And then the on top portion um, just came with the thought of, hey, the enemy's always trying to bury you. He's trying to bury us with condemnation. Mm. He's trying to make us feel guilty about things, things that we have no control over, some things that we do have control over. But um, as he tries to bury us, I, I, I've always been under the idea that God brings us out of that grave and we can shake that dust off of our shoulders, step up. And then step out into what God has for us. So wow, um, we want to be on top, and we want to be in the middle of God's plan for our lives. And I use that, and it served me well over the years um, to try to stay on the on the on the right trajectory towards Him. Well, Pastor, it's not only served you well, but I'm sure it served a litany of individuals who consider you a spiritual father, a spiritual mentor, myself included, because uh, hearing you open up with that motif is refreshing. Uh, as you know, uh, that's that's common language for us. And, and I walk in that same mindset. Uh, but now hearing that as well reminds me that I was indeed present during that that actual sermon, if I can recall. And we're going back now. Some eleven we're going, years. We're going way back. <laughs> yeah, we we're we gonna take it back. We're throwing it back, and it ain't even Thursday. It's, <laughs> throwing it back. Um, maybe we can call it "Send Me Back Saturday" as we're uh, we're we're here Saturday. But um, but so I'm I'm sitting in I'm sitting in the sanctuary now. At this time, uh, as you guys probably uh, as you're listening, you you heard during during the intro uh, that. My my bride, uh, I was in hot pursuit of my bride. And so my bride, Christine, at the time, she was a friend. We I don't even know if we were dating yet because she was waiting on Steve Williams' thumbs up and approval. Uh, and we're going to get into that. Uh, so he was yeah. like a spiritual father and a protector uh, for her, making sure that I was not a wolf 
in sheep's clothes. Now, again, coming out of the situation that I was coming out of, uh, I, I was just happy to be at Calvary Fort Lauderdale to uh, sit under the word of God, to hide. I didn't want to serve and I didn't want the, the glitz and the glamour. I wasn't looking for position or clout or pomp or any of that. I just happened to get an invitation by my friend at the time, Christine, uh, to come to church. And here I am in a 4,000 seated sanctuary. And lo and behold, who is on stage preaching, keeping in the middle and on top uh, is Steve Williams. And um, here's what happens, though. Um, I'm going to say an estimate of about 50 to 60, maybe more, came forward to receive Christ that evening. It's a Wednesday night. And um, so this is a surreal moment. I'm, I'm in the hallway and my wife walks me right up to the man who just got done preaching to thousands of people. And she says, hey, Pastor Steve, this is Darren. Darren, this is Pastor Steve. And she walks away. <laughs> now, I don't know if you all had that planned, but talk, talk to me. about. So, so take us take us into what was happening in that moment. And, and what was well, the... you know, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Well, you know, God, God has a way of intersecting lives and people at the right time. And, um, you know, that night was a special night, obviously, with uh, the salvations that took place. But I think it was just um, a God incidence, as I like to call them, um, mm -hmm. where we ran into each other. Christine um, had mentioned to me before that somebody was uh, on the radar in her life. And, you know, as a shepherd, I want to look out. I want to make sure and vet, um, you know, these individuals along the way who are trying to make moves on the on the young ladies. So at church. So when she told me about you, I knew I, and I and I told her basically, hey, when when we get a chance to overlap and meet, I'd love to meet him. I'm going to shake his hand real hard. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember that, <laughs> you know, given that that Vulcan death grip. And the handshake, and let's look at him, see if he's a man, see if he's um, willing to uh, truly step up and step into um, that space where uh, she could open herself up to those possibilities. And that's where we where it kind of happened initially. And um, I just threw some things at you. Um, I, I really wanted to see where your heart was. I know you had dealt with some difficulties up until that point. So I didn't want her to get caught up in, in, in a lot of extra stuff, mm -hmm. but, um, but I wanted to get to know you better. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to see where he's at. And then once I found out the wrestling component was a part of, of the mix, I said, okay, we can, we can Miyagi sign it up <laughs> through wrestling. <laughs> so, 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 so talk about that. So uh, if, if, if you're listening right now and you happen to have watched the, the movie, uh, karate kid and and right now it, there's a resurgence of it because cobra kai is out i believe on uh if i'm not mistaken netflix um and so this came from daniel's son and and mr miyagi who had this interesting relationship now daniel's son wanted to learn karate and mr miyagi brought him into a context that had nothing to do with nor did it resemble anything remotely close to learning karate a uh, karate he was he was he, Daniel's son was like the maintenance from the right from his perspective Daniel's son was just a mere maintenance man until it was revealed that the entire time while Daniel's painting up and down waxing on waxing off Miyagi was showing him karate moves so you and I find ourselves 
in the wrestling room, you threw out, as you said in the intro, uh, a light invitation. Now, that intro video was your video, so so there's context. There was a video that you made uh, for my ordination. You were in North Carolina, but you sent out a four-minute video. The audience got a minute and 35 seconds of that. Uh, where you you just shared your heart. You called me beloved son in the faith, which I don't take that title lightly. We're going to talk about that. Um, but nonetheless, you shared this light invitation that you threw out. And I was tenacious in my response. Uh, and so you found me in the wrestling room on a, uh, a normal CCA, Calvary Christian Academy wrestling practice, three o'clock. Uh, what, what happened from your perspective? Where did it go from there? And how did 11 years later, uh, we get to this place where where I'm just a normal layman at, in a large church, and, and now here I am as a as a pastor of, of a of a medium sized church in North Miami, where your fruit is growing on other people's trees, so to speak. <laughs> well, I, you know, as I as I reflect and go back to that that moment moment in time, I definitely um, initially threw out the the light handed touch just to see where you were at because. If you weren't serious about it, I wasn't going to invest or waste time investing or trying to invest in you. But because of your passion and your pursuit, then I said, okay, well, this guy, he's he's dealing with a a broken time in his life. But I know that God is the potter and the potter likes to put the pieces back together again. Come on. I I said, if he's in, I'm in. Okay, let's do this. And, And the other thing that was going on at the time through his providential um, wisdom was that I was gearing up and kind of, he had already been planning to see for me to move and start something up in North Carolina. So I knew that um, with that transition would come um, investment in someone to take the baton and to run with the wrestling ministry. So I said, man, if this is um, a coincidence or is this something that is divine, and let's explore this and let's see. And it turned out to be divine because when you came to practice and you saw that, hey, it's not it's, it's not really glamorous. Wrestling is not the high profile sport, the football, basketball, some of these other sports are. And, and and there you are showing up and I'm like, OK, well, you got to wash the mats. OK, well, we got to sweep the mats. OK, well, we got to um, work with the JV guys and show them basic techniques Okay, we got to, um, you know, get ready for tournaments and, and make sure everybody has their gear and make sure the water and everything is ready for the, for, for the trip. So um, so in those moments where I delegated that responsibility to you, it wasn't so much that I doubted whether or not you could do it. It was how you did it mm. that really stood out to me. And because you had that and, and maybe you, you, you hit it well. <laughs> but um, at the time, I didn't think so. I thought that you, you know, you took it with a humility. You took it uh, seriously, and, and with that, I knew. I said, "This guy is um, is the real deal." So I'm going to pour everything that I have, which is all God, uh, into him, and try to, um, you know, prepare you for that next season. Not only in wrestling and through wrestling, but also with Christine, who would later on become your wife. Wow. Now, would you say that mentoring, after having heard everything you just said, something dawned on me, mentoring is a two-way street. You threw out the invitation, and I responded. That is important. That's important for the listening audience to hear, because oftentimes uh, individuals look for a mentor. Um, 
yet they're not willing to to take that same uh, tenacity or that commitment. commitment. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so why, why why exactly is that important? And, and you alluded to it. You, you know, you, you said if I was willing to go the extra mile, you're willing to pour in uh, everything that you, you you've got. Uh, so it's all oh, that. And, and when you for me, what it comes down to or what it went back to was Christ's example. I mean, as he was going along and calling his disciples to follow him, they had choices to make. Yeah. Yeah. They could have been like, hey, you know what? I got a business. I'm making money. Hey, I'm not. I, I got something else going on right now. I'll catch up with you later. No, they 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 laid it down and they followed. And that's the type of mindset where true discipleship happens. You see, discipleship is a difficult thing, especially when you're entrusting something that's dear to you to someone else. Come on. And that wrestling ministry was dear to my heart because that had been cultivated over many, many years and family relationships and extensions of family had occurred. And I wasn't going to just hand that over to somebody who didn't, who didn't care or who didn't value it in the same way I did. Mm. So, um, so all of that played into it. And obviously we make mistakes. I make mistakes along the way. Others will too. Um, I had to get beyond the fact that, Hey, uh, I'm going to be leaving and I'm going to be um, entrusting this ministry to someone else who I believe God has raised up for a moment in time, such as this. And it's his ministry. Ultimately he'll plug in and put in me you whoever right into it as long as he wants that ministry to continue so um i just had to make sure that my um, heart was in alignment with the spirit and at that time it, it was definitely clear that he had raised you up and prepared you to take again the baton and run with it in your way not my way right and you know you didn't you didn't know that immediately i mean it it was it was about 3 close to 4 years before that transition occurred but let me let me define some terms here cuz you said something so profound and instrumental you you said the word discipleship and of course this is a uh, a season that's focusing on mentorship so what the world uh, what the secular society considers uh mentorship we in the church uh we call it discipleship um, and so I would like to say that we, we did it first. <laughs> Jesus, yes. Jesus modeled it, but God, God laid, he laid it out. Yes, sir. And, and, but, but here, here's also something that you, you mentioned and I want to highlight not to, uh, toot my own horn, but I, I, I really want to help somebody. Um, God can do the miraculous through the mundane. Let me say that again. Mm. God can do the miraculous through the mundane. Why do I say that? Because I, I literally had no qualms about sweeping the wrestling match mats i had no qualms about mopping up blood i had no no issues uh there were times where you you would have me set up the uniforms and and set the, the varsity boys up for the tournament get on the bus and 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 say okay we're gonna we're gonna leave you can stay back with the young kids wait 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 hold on now i can't come to the tournament i can't come in and experience <laughs> the varsity level you know um I, I never questioned it i just i just did it with contentment and in the and in those mundane menial tasks, God is doing something miraculous. He's shaping and forming and molding you um, to become what it is that God uh, 
aspires you to become. And so, so now that let's turn the curve a little bit, three years happens, you know, three years goes by, um, you're getting ready to depart. So it went from, it went from just wrestling to now this moment of, Hey man, like, I think I might want to do ministry, but all I've been doing is wrestling. And, and so Daniel's son has this moment with Mr. Miyagi where he's like, all you've been doing was teaching me how to paint and wax cars and, you know, swap the deck or whatever. Um, and, and he says, okay, well, wax on. And, and, and they, they go on through this whole, whole, whole moment where, where everything that Daniel's son was being taught was coming to fruition. Like, oh my gosh, you had been teaching me karate all this time and I didn't know it. And you had been teaching me humility and ministry and, um, literally started from the bottom. <laughs> now I'm here. Yes. Uh, but, but, and, and, and when you think about it, I mean, those relationships that you were cultivating as well with families time and learning, learning how to minister to people at that level, meeting them where they're at. Um, all of that was being developed and honed. Um, and so when ministry opportunities did open up, you were, you were, you were ready. You were ready because that next generation component, you know, um, kicks in and now, boom, you're, you're running. So when, when, when did the, when did the, the boat shift, so to speak, or when did the cruise ship turn? Uh, cause at some point you had decided, you know what? God's hand is on this man's life and, and there's this ministry, this mentoring discipleship machine called Next Gen uh, at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And it still exists, I believe, to a degree. Um, and uh, modified, yeah, a, a different version. But but you have to be hand selected. You know, it, you know, you have to be picked out. They don't let just anybody up in. Correct. There. It's a, it's an invite only, and these these are people that we believe could be the next pastor, elder. Uh, and so I found myself getting this invitation, obviously nominated by by Steve Williams. Uh, now, that was a very um, eye opening moment for me, because that up until that point in time, I did not realize uh, what was getting ready to take shape in my life when it comes to the ministry path. Again, I was simply content uh, to do the menial task. But God was working a miracle in the mundane. Uh, and so I walk into next gen and, and I'm I'm literally in front of Doug Souter, who is now the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale. You're in there. Uh, I believe uh, Greg Anderson was in there uh, and we started this ministry journey. So how did that, how did that play out? Like, at what point did we see the, well, the think, change? I, yeah, I, I think what, what had happened up until then was again, that level of humility, that consistent um, willingness to be poured into and, and implement not only what you had been taught and shown, um, but also uh, investing, reinvesting in the next generation that was in, that was already in your in your care at the time through those wrestlers. So um, there were some, if you recall, some teen uh, Bible studies or, or devotionals. Yes. Kind of at the beginning. Yes. Practice that you started to uh, be be tossed into that. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. More and I think when you can. It, at, at CCA, it was unique because we had wrestlers who were in high school all the way down to elementary. And so at the very beginning of, of every practice, we would pray and do a short little devotional. And so you had to you had to prepare that devotional yeah. in a way that would keep the attention of an elementary age kid, yeah. but also have the sophistication to stimulate, um, you know, some mental processing from a high school 
So you had to you had to combine all of that. And, and, and that's something unique that Jesus was able to do as well. When you think about it, his 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 uh, messages were simple enough for the non-sophisticated to absorb. But they were heady enough um, to challenge those who thought they were so, you know, heavenly minded and, right. and, and beyond it. And so you you had done that in, in robust ways. And I, I thought, you know what? Um, it just continued to solidify what I recognize in terms of God's calling on your life. And so when this opportunity for next gen rolled through, I said, hey, he's definitely got to be in this next rotation. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that um, I acted on that and, and, and recommended you and they, they accepted the recommendation. And the rest, as you know, is history. Man. Now, now let me let me give a little detail because it's a little bit more gritty than what you said when it comes to uh, the devotional time. For, <laughs> for, for those that are listening, Pastor Steve would call me uh, around 1 p.m. and say, hey, uh, I want you to lead devotion today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for, for, for asking me that. But that's that's at three thirty practice is at three thirty and it's one thirty. Um, so I got two hours to prepare. Uh, and you just heard what he said, the complexity of preparing to a. A message that's 15 minutes long, uh, though it doesn't sound long, you know, uh, that's 15 minutes of grappling with trying to keep the attention of a young, you know, fifth grader or fourth grader or you know third grader captivated, but but yet sophisticated enough to reach a high school level. So you got you got two two hours, and I'm like, Pastor, how am I supposed to do this? He's like, Did you uh did you read your word today? Yeah, I, I read. Well. Talk to them about what you read and how the Lord <laughs> spoke to you. Um, and there so there you go. <laughs> it, it wasn't it, it wasn't as easy as it sounded. It was actually a lot more challenging. Uh, and I don't know if you did that strategically. Like you literally said, I'm going to give him two hours to prepare. <laughs> but the word. Well, I, I, I think part of it honestly was um, not just to challenge you, but to get your mind fixed on God is the one who is supplying. you. That's good. Ultimately. You know, because, yeah, we can we can come up with some clever phraseologies and some neat little inserts and kind of pretty up a message. But in reality, when it's on the line, who who is speaking in you and through you at that moment? Wow. It's the Holy Spirit. And I think when you when you find yourself in those kind of situations, man, the, the, the impact is so much more dynamic and, and the kids they responded. They were they were uh, touched. I could see them basically um, grafting connections with you, mm. and and, seeing, and and because of that, um, again, my confidence was in the fact that your confidence was in the Lord. Ultimately, now obviously there's there's a balance, and there's things that you definitely have to prepare for. Correct, but ultimately, He is the one who is giving you. Um, what you need in that moment of time to share with those kids. And I'll tell you what, there are moments as a, as a pastor now, you know, as I teach weekly, I, I go into my office on Sundays and I have to reach way back to those moments because every once in a while, the Lord may say, you know what, Darren, I, I want to shift a little bit 
uh, into something, you know, or, or something may happen overnight or in the culture. You may, may wake up in the morning uh, and find out that, uh, you know, Capitol Hill was stormed. You know, who knows, you know, with, with, with the way things are going these days. Yeah. And, and you want to speak, you want to speak to those things. Um, and, and in some ways you can insert them into the message. Uh, and so you have to be ready always. The, the Bible says be ready in season and out of season. Uh, and so I, I, I oftentimes reach back to those moments of, OK, well, Steve gave you an hour to an hour and a half to prepare just to make you uh, and and teach you how to be dependent on, on the spirit of God and God alone. Uh, and so I thank you for that. Now, I want to I want to talk a little bit about this idea of. And I preached the message on it several years ago, but but spiritual sonship, the 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 beauty and duty of of sonship, and uh, and then the dynamic. Because to this day, you know, I still consider you, even with the proximity, uh, a, a spiritual father. Uh, and and I've got guys that, by God's grace, you know, speaking to my life on a more consistent and direct basis. You've got Chris Basilici, you've got Ruben Ramsford, you've got guys like uh, Pastor Robert Fountain, uh, who I get a chance to meet with. Uh, on a weekly or even bi-weekly basis, guys like Travis Vaughn, who's a mentor, we'll get him on the show. These are guys that I greatly appreciate, but there is a there's a place where the buck stops uh, some, <laughs> to some degree. Um, and, and it's because of the relational equity. You're talking 11 years. Um, and, and, and I would say the buck tends to stop with, with, my, with my bishop, my, my pastor, uh, Steve Williams, who, who to this day still is a spiritual father. How did that how did that come about? Like, at what point do you remember us really solidifying? Like, did I come up to you and say, hey, you know what? You're, you're a spiritual father of mine. Like, I don't even remember. And, and, and speak to the dynamic of that type of relationship uh, between a mentor and mentee graduating to spiritual father, spiritual son. How does that play out? Um, you know, as I, as I look back on um, our time together in the trenches, uh, <laughs> especially with wrestling, because wrestling is uh the kind of sport that can can break a person oh yeah it can break you mentally physically i mean it takes you to the the, the end of yourself indeed and because there are there are multiple moments where that would happen and you know i think our relationship flourished in those type of exchanges because mm. uh you know you you would you would be in there with the guys i would be in there with the guys from time to time, we would we would wrestle with the guys, um, but man, when you're coaching, you got twelve to fourteen guys that you have to get emotionally beefed up and ready to go because <laughs> yeah. they're gonna win, they're gonna lose. It feels like you wrestled twelve times, yeah. And so you're in that type of environment um, where you're on the front line. And I think um, you, you, you experience the roller coaster of success and failure mm. because failure is a big part of it. Yeah. And yeah, there's going to be times when we make mistakes, like I said earlier. And and there were moments where, hey, I know I got to I got to give I don't I don't necessarily want to give Darren this responsibility right now, but I got to let him experience it on his own and make the decision whether he fails or he's successful, he's got to make that choice. He's got to make that decision. And and I got to show him that I trust. I trust his ability to seek the Lord and to get direction. And if he does mess up, be there for him, to support him, not just in wrestling coaching, but life in general. Yeah. And I think that, that goes a long way in terms of establishing uh, that connection. And I, and I think another part of it was um, just knowing that I had your back. Yeah. And that you can come to me with anything. You could be real. You could be transparent. The, the, the worst of the worst 
thoughts, ideas, challenges. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. Um, but I'm going to share lovingly the truth with you. And hey, let's get back on the right track if we got off track. And let's let's keep pushing it in the right direction. And I think the fact that you you understood my heart. I'm a simple guy. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm a very simple guy. I try and try and streamline life, and um, the way I see it, the way I view it. Basically, my my mission statement is: Hey, if what I'm saying or what I'm doing doesn't show God that I love Him, then I'm not doing it. Mm. Mm. You know, I don't have to. With that, I don't have to know every single verse in the Bible. I don't have to expound and, you know, be this super sophisticated theologian. I keep it real simple. Is what I'm about to say right now or about to do right now showing God that I love him? And if it doesn't, then the probability of me doing it decreases dramatically. Mm. That has served me well. That has served me well. And I and I, I think that that mindset comes through um, when you when you get to see it lived out behind the scenes, because you, you know, you were there. You were there when we, we had some matches. We have some moments when we get into altercations with referees. Yeah. Yeah. OK. How, how's he going to deal with it? Is he going to drop? Is he going to drop a curse word or F-bomb right now? <laughs> yeah. How many times you see it? Right. Right. You know, in those moments of when when it's heated, you could talk the talk, but are you gonna walk the walk in that particular moment? Mm. And I think that you saw enough of those kind of things along the way that said, Hey, you know what, this guy this guy is really trying to not only live it and be about it, but point people in the right direction and make a difference in their lives. And wow. I think that helped transition it from just, you know, hey, we, we do this who, you know, co-labor to potentially, hey, I want to I want to, you know, be moving in that same type of mindset and that same type of spiritual uh, commitment to the Lord as well. So so, so you, my, my you know, I'm a simple guy as well. And I love like, you know alliteration type sentence sentences so here here, here's how i'm going to sum up how you eloquently just uh described the dynamic of of a son and a father coming together the spiritual fatherhood was forged in the fire Mm, there you go it was forged in the fire i mean we, we we went through the trenches we've been through the fire together and and in every way of life not just on the wrestling map but in every aspect of life and indeed you 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 were trustworthy you loved me you were gracious non-judgmental you didn't condemn and i was able to literally go to you with any and everything and uh even even recent events up to you know three three four years ago trying to get the the church plan off the ground uh, i can remember having hour-long phone calls with you about some difficulties (laughs) you know that that we'd gone through uh down here and uh you were an instrumental part of that a huge component of that um and then, and then you came down, uh, and you were able to visit, you know, the, the, the church plant in the backyard when we were just a small church. We started with 15. And I think at that point in time, we had gotten up to about 50 people that you saw in the backyard. And, yes, and yes. It, it's funny, we were, we were sitting, uh, at a campfire. If you, I don't know if you recall it. And I used that same phraseology. I said 
to our people that were in front of you and me. I said, uh, this relationship was forged in the fire. And it's just so appropriate that there's a campfire in front of us to live illustrate that relationship. Yeah. Um, because because many a days the, the, the plane was going down, man. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this no more. I'm done. Uh, and, and you were able to talk me off the ledge and keep me in the middle and on top. Um, yeah. And so, man. Well, well the, be the beautiful thing about discipleship is that it goes full circle. Because I can tell you this, I, I've also had my challenging moments. Mm. And because I've been able to see how you have weathered the storm and come out of it better on the other side has been motivational for me. Uh -huh. And because of your experience, I've been able to tap in and say, hey, dude, I'm going through something similar right now. Yeah. And, and, you, and you've ministered to me, too. Wow. So that's that's the beautiful thing about. It's not a one-way relationship. It's not always, hey, I'm pouring into you, pouring into you, pouring into you. You know, you also pour into me. So wow. it can be a symbiotic relationship in that in that sense. And um, and and because of that, uh, it helps everybody. Wow. It helps everybody. Well, we're pressing in on time. So here's what I want to do. I, I I was able to have the luxury of thanking Corey Gardner publicly. And the listening audience uh, was touched by that. And, and that that episode is getting rave reviews. And I'm certain that this one is, is going to get great reviews as well. But I want to I want to duplicate that sentiment. And I want to publicly thank you, Pastor Steve Williams, for everything that you've done. You, you saw a 28 year old young man uh, that that was broken and in a very difficult season of life coming out of it. And God used you to guide me through that, guide me out of it. And, and of course, everyone that's listening right now has heard some of the story. And we've left out a lot of significant details, uh, but you can't get it all. We can't we can't tell it all. Um, but but nonetheless, it has been all God honoring, God glorifying, uh, miraculous and, and magnanimous, uh, even through the mundane. And so I love you, sir. I thank you very much for all that you've done in, in my life. You contributed to my marriage um, and so many people, so many people that call Calvary Chapel, North Miami, uh, their home, uh, can say that they, they, they have benefited indirectly because of what you poured into me. And so your fruit definitely is growing on other people's trees. It, it, are there any parting words that you want to leave with the listening audience before we, we, we log off? Well, I would just say that, um, I, I appreciate the thanks and, and the best way you can thank me is to continue to glorify God. Continue to love your wife. Continue to be that example that people look on and say, hey, you know what? It's not perfection, but he's moving in the right direction. And you're pointing as many people as you can to Jesus. And that's the best thing. That's the best gift that I could ever receive from you. So keep up the good work. Be encouraged. And all your listeners out there, uh, make sure that you're uh, continuously plugged in to the power that comes from a real relationship with jesus amen no better way to uh to log off than that a relationship with jesus changes everything well i hope you all have enjoyed this episode of the miami voice all the way from north carolina speaking into us right down here in miami uh pastor steve williams you've been a blessing we're glad that you decided to give us uh 35 minutes of your time uh and it will definitely be gems in someone else's life i guarantee you this is going to yield dividends so god bless you we love you jesus christ loves you all more take care this has been the miami voice we're logging off <laughs>